Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to The Daily Sunup. The Daily Sunup podcast is a conversation with the Colorado Sun. See our trust indicators at coloradosun.com slash ethics. It's Thursday, February 15th. Today, John Ingold and Michael Booth talk about the genetic targeting of personalized medicine and how Colorado is setting up for a huge boost to its recycling efforts. Before we begin, Colorado Sun News may be free, but it is not free to produce, thanks to our members who make our journalism possible. This week only, first-time members can join us with a special 20% off introductory rate for select membership packages. Visit coloradosun.com save20 for more details. Again, that's coloradosun.com save, S-A-V-E, 20, T-W-E-N-T-Y. Members power the sun, and we are grateful for your support. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. Despite public skepticism towards politicians, John Shafroth, known as Honest John, exemplified integrity by resigning from the U.S. House of Representatives on this date in 1904 to uphold his principles. A Missouri native, Shafroth moved to Colorado in 1879 and established a career in law and real estate before winning five congressional elections as a Republican. Advocating for women's suffrage, natural resource conservation, bimetallism, and anti-imperialism, he resigned upon discovering his 1902 re-election was fraudulent, earning bipartisan praise. Shafroth later became Colorado's governor, implementing progressive reforms, and served in the U.S. Senate, aligning with President Woodrow Wilson's progressive agenda. Despite losing his 1918 re-election due to the influenza epidemic, Shafroth's legacy as a principled politician endures in the centennial state. Before we continue, the Colorado Sun has virtual and in-person events all year long. Join conversations on politics, healthcare, the environment, transportation, education, and much more. Sign up for the free events monthly email so you can be the first in line for registration. Visit coloradosun.com slash events today. Next, our feature story. Well, hi, everyone. Happy Thursday. I'm John Ingold. I'm the healthcare reporter here at the Colorado Sun and uh, hoping you all had a very happy Valentine's Day yesterday. Uh, if you haven't done so already, we have this uh, really delightful story up on our website about the love life of bulls, tiny little rodents. It's um, it's a lot more charming than uh, than you might think, a lot more chaste than you might imagine. So, uh Turning now to my colleague, Michael Booth, uh, our environment reporter who joins me every Thursday. Hey, Mike. Hey, John. Putting seconds on that story from Claire Zhang, who did an amazing job, took this science report and just made it eminently readable. So hope everybody goes to see that. Yeah, we all had a really good time trying to come up with headlines for a, a bowls in love story. It was a journalism pun fest. It was. It was an involved discussion. Yeah. <laughs> So, Mike, I um, wanted to ask you this week about um, something else that we love here in Colorado, but don't always do a very good job of, and that's recycling. And there's a new study out that, uh, for environmental advocates, offers some hopeful numbers on what uh, what it might cost to get better at recycling. Absolutely. And this is all from a very packed temperature newsletter this week that we hope people will get back to. And if you're not already a member and a subscriber to The Temperature, we hope you'll do that because all this stuff was previewed or gone to in more depth in The Temperature, and it's just a great source for climate and health news in Colorado. What we were talking about, what I was talking about today was 
um, the recycling effort that's going on in Colorado. It was a state law that said that producers of packaging that we just open up and toss out, whether it's a cardboard toothpaste box or the plastic rings that go around a six pack um, in the, of soda or of beer in Colorado or the box that goes around a 12 pack, that the producers of that should be involved more in recycling those things in Colorado and that there would be benefits for them, not just in that uh, there would be a general moral benefit of recycling or using more natural resources in Colorado, but that then they would get, if there is a system set up of reusing the packaging in Colorado, making more packaging materials, that their packaging could end up being cheaper for them and that would be benefits all around. And so all of this meant to improve Colorado's abysmal recycling rate, which we've talked about here on the podcast before, which some people estimate at 16% only if you go by the broader sense of what can be recycled in Colorado. And even this new study talks about being at a base level, only 22 to 28% of this kind of packaging is actually recycled in Colorado. So in an effort to boost those numbers in a big way, the producers will now be responsible for kind of taxing themselves. They will put a fee on themselves for each kind of packaging that they produce. And that that money will then be going toward improving curbside recycling throughout the state in communities that don't already have it. So the question is, how much money would this raise if producers put a very small fee, fraction of a penny on each kind of packaging they produce? Um, how much would it produce overall in the state to expand recycling? And what this study shows, the baseline study, is that at the highest case scenario, that kind of fractional fee would produce about $290 million in 2035 about 130 bucks per household at that highest case scenario, the most improved recycling system. Lowest case scenario would still raise $250 million. Now that sounds like a lot of money, but some of the recycling experts we talked to and recycling advocates said they had worried that it might take up to a billion dollars a year to create a better recycling system in Colorado and that those numbers do not freak them out. So they are advocating for it. They're saying this baseline study with three different scenarios in it is great news for Colorado and that it will contribute toward creating a recycling system throughout the state that will help each community pay for better recycling by sometime in 2025 and that they hope that the state and the producers responsibility board will approve this study and then use it to actually start designing the system and designing the fees that they will charge upon themselves. And what are we thinking in terms of recycling rates? How much are we going to be able to improve there? Right. So they do talk about each scenario more than doubling the recycling rate that we have now in existing communities in Colorado. So at the highest case scenario, the most expensive program, they could achieve, they believe, recycling rates of 54 to 60% instead of the baseline that we currently have of 22 to 28%. And so the recycling advocates we talked to are very happy that each of the scenarios that are under consideration would more than double the recycling rate and that they would achieve the kind of success they were setting out for when they encourage the legislature to pass this bill. So we will keep following it. We will see where it goes next year as they develop the rest of the program, decide how much fees to charge themselves, and also keep asking the question, which is what opponents have said on programs like this, which is that it may sound like a fee just on the producers, but inevitably, do those costs come down to the consumer? We end up paying it. It's a tax by any other name. And so we will see what, you know, if that ha contributes to a higher cost for packaging and a higher cost for the consumers on the goods in the end. So, John, switching to what you've been reporting about in recent days, which 
has to do with personalized medicine and health and folks who have been trying to create a more precise form of medicine that targets cancers down to the genetic level on an individualized basis. What have, what have they been working on or what have you been learning lately? Yeah, so this is one of the uh, exciting sort of new frontiers that we're seeing in medicine is basically trying to use your genetic code to fine tune treatments that can help you or to, to make sure you're finding the, the treatments that are best suited for you. And uh, we're seeing uh, some applications of this here in Colorado. And uh, one that I wrote about in this week's temperature has to do with this gene uh, that we all have that's known as UGT1A1. Uh, the, the, yeah, you know, the, the, the folks who name genes, I think, are, are very good at science, but not so much good at, uh, at naming genes. In, in the newsletter, we, uh, we said, well, this is a, a, a gene that begins with U, so let's call it Eugene. Um, so what this gene does, what Eugene does is, uh, it helps your body break down, uh, certain substances. And a lot of times it's involved in, in the breakdown of, of bilirubin. It, it has instructions for enzymes, creating enzymes that will do that. But it also has, um, importance when it comes to metabolizing this chemotherapy drug and chemo drugs, you know, um, I'm sure we all understand this, they they're toxic things and you need your body to, to break them down because if you don't, they can actually be really bad for your health. People who are undergoing chemotherapy and have bad reactions to chemotherapy drugs can end up back in the hospital. They can even end up uh, back in the ICU. So uh, this gene becomes really important for the metabolizing of this chemotherapy drug, but people who have a, a certain uh, variation of it, which is known as STAR-28, uh, they uh, don't metabolize this drug as fast. And so that can lead to situations where, as one oncologist uh, described it to me, you get in sort of like an accidental overdose situation. You, you give somebody a normal dose of this drug and they don't end up metabolizing it that quickly. It becomes toxic to their body. They get sick. Now, this is something that oncologists have known about for a long time, that this is a possibility. And And in the past, you used to sort of like give the normal standard dose and then watch and see if somebody tolerates it well and then make the adjustment. So you're basically taking the risk that somebody might get really sick if they if they happen to have this, this gene variant. Now, what we're seeing, uh, uh, the Colorado Center for Personalized Medicine, which is a, a CU Anschutz medical campus uh, organization, and we're seeing them work with UC Health to do for cancer patients, or at least the, the kind of cancer patients who receive this chemotherapy, they're doing genetic screening right up front, even before you get the chemotherapy. We're doing the genetic screening, and then they're putting this result uh, in what is called a biobank, and this comes with uh, proper patient consent. They're not taking people's genes and, and, and uploading their genetic code in, into this without consent. And then what happens is when your doctor on the healthcare side goes to prescribe this chemotherapy drug, they will get an alert. If you have this gene variant, it'll say, hey, just so you know, this patient has this gene variant and uh, they may react poorly to this chemotherapy drug. We suggest a lower dose for them because they don't metabolize it as quickly. So this is kind of the the integration of the science that that has been going into figuring out how we can use knowledge about people's genetic code to uh, actually improve their their medical care. So personalized medicine in the field of health 
has kind of been out there for a while. Uh, people, our listeners might have heard about it over the past. It's been kind of one of the flying cars of medicine for a long time. But you have a quote here that was really striking that have, people have talked about it as the future of medicine for a long time. But the Dr. Christina Alicante has said that yeah, it's not just the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's she said it. It's it's the now. It's happening. So they're uh, they're awfully proud of this over at uh, at at CU. Um, CU has one of the the largest and sort of best clinically integrated biobanks in the country. So there's been a lot of work over there to figure out um, how can we build this up. There's 230,000 patients, I think, who have genetic information in the biobank. So how can we build this up, and then how can we use this? to uh, help people on the clinical side. And uh, so they do this for, there's a, a couple cancer drugs uh, where there's there's very obvious drug gene interactions. They also will do this for patients, um, and there's been some news coverage of this before, where they will, you know, you do the whole sequencing and then they can look for sort of rare gene variations that could indicate higher risk for uh, specific rare diseases. So patients will get a note. Hey, by the way, we you know did a genetic profile on you, and you have a a gene that indicates you may have greater risk for X Y Z. And so then the patient knows ahead of time and can potentially um, work with their doctor to uh, avoid any sort of sort of consequences there. Um, but people can look for much more in depth reporting. Uh, though the newsletter was great, but there's so many questions people have about this. You're going to be writing more in depth about it on the Sun website itself in coming days. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, probably next couple weeks. Look forward to seeing that. Thanks for your reporting on that, and thanks for everybody listening today. And we hope to see you next week. Uh, have you reading us in the temperature and join us for the podcast again on Thursday. And thanks for being a Sun reader. You can read more at ColoradoSun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. Colorado's attorney general is suing to block a $24 billion merger between the parent companies of Safeway and King Supers. In the lawsuit, Phil Weiser said the merger would eliminate competition between the grocery store chains and hurt Colorado shoppers. He said it also violates the state's antitrust laws. The AG said he came to his conclusion after hosting nearly 20 town halls across the state. Kroger operates 148 King Supers and City Market stores in Colorado, and Safeway owner Albertsons operates 105 Safeway and Albertsons stores. Kroger officials called the lawsuit premature since the merger is still under review by the Federal Trade Commission. While Denver continues to help nearly 40,000 migrants who have come to the state capital, officials in Colorado's second-largest city are saying they will not welcome the migrants. Leaders in Colorado Springs and El Paso County say they do not have the resources to help those seeking a new life in the U.S. The Salvation Army in Colorado Springs has helped just 24 families. But that news prompted county leaders to tell nonprofits not to help migrants and reiterate that Colorado Springs is not a sanctuary city. The city has offered no emergency shelter or meals. An 18-year-old transgender patient whose surgery was called off when Children's Hospital Colorado stopped providing gender-affirming surgeries is suing the hospital. The ACLU of Colorado filed the lawsuit Wednesday on behalf of the man claiming the hospital violated state anti-discrimination laws. Children's Hospital said in July that it was stopping transgender surgeries because of unprecedented referrals and threats from across the country. 
The hospital did not provide surgeries to minors and stopped offering them to those 18 and older over the summer. That resulted in an unknown number of cancellations for patients who had scheduled procedures such as chest reconstruction. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. Now, a quick message from our team. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. My name is Jason Blevins. I'm the outdoors writer here at the Colorado Sun, co-founder of the Colorado Sun. Um, I'm on the uh, weekly podcast with David Krause every Monday. And I also write a weekly newsletter. comes out every Thursday. It's called The Outsider. Um, Take a look at uh, each issue has sort of early glimpses of stories. I got stuff on housing, high country business, high country culture, public lands, uh, public land managers, kind of just about anything kind of interesting and happening on the Western Slope. Try to get into it. Ski industry stuff. Um, I invite you to come check it out. It's one of the many newsletters we have at the Colorado Sun. Um, head to coloradosun.com slash join and become a member and support the Colorado Sun. Appreciate you guys listening. Thanks.